This is the Douglas Robin Show. Hi, welcome to Doug's Den of Discussion. Today we are speaking with Kira Lee, an artist and sci-fi writer. Welcome, Kira. Thanks for having me. How are you today? Good, good. I've been very busy working on Constellus Voss. Tell me, uh, so th- this is uh, Kira's book. Say it again. It's, it's Constellus Voss. Yes, it's, a, it's Constellus Voss, a three-parter. Volume one is out right now. So that's probably what we're going to be, you know, fandangoing about is the first volume. And where did you come up with this title? Um, It's kind of a puzzle. It's a bit relational to the story content. I'm a writer that's a big fan of kind of giving motifs, symbols, puzzles, literary mysteries to work out. So I can't exactly spoil it, but <laughs> okay. let's, let's just say it relates to a character's name and then maybe readers can kind of dive in and go, oh, I wonder what that means and maybe figure it out because that's fine. Nice, nice, nice. So it's a little metaphorical even, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, I like literature that kind of asks people to, you know, ask those questions like, why is that here? What is the name? What does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I saw on your website, first of all, a beautiful website uh, for this book. Um, and it's so interesting because it's sort of graphic novel anime. Um, but I love that you have all the characters kind of sketched out or illustrated and, you know, maybe a little quote from them. Um, that's very unique in itself, or at least to, to, to my awareness it is. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I built the website. I did the character art. Um, I made the video up top. I actually updated the website the other day. So I don't know if you've gotten a chance to check it again. It's like white now with a big trailer vid up top. But yeah, I kind of wrote this like it was an animation that I didn't have the capacity to animate. <laughs> right. So you're so yeah, like I even have soundtracks, like unofficial, like here's the soundtrack. I saw that but, you had some unofficial yeah. uh, songs to, uh, per character. Yeah, yeah, but I also have like, like I'm one of those writers who um, tries to make as much media as possible in order to not be misunderstood in terms of what I'm making. Like I really wanted to make an animation. I'm just not, I don't have the patience. It's so difficult. <laughs> hmm. um, well, it's really amazing because I'm, I'm a bit of a nitwit, you know, with, with my website. I'm happy to post something. Uh, but certainly don't have the graphic skills, um, you know, really to make some of these mediums come alive. So, so kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a freelancer by career. So yeah, a lot of the stuff is just already kind of in my wheelhouse. And you know what? I like doing it. I like making websites and I like making videos. They're fun. Nice. That is fun. That is fun. So, um, Tell us a little bit about the book. It's kind of dystopian sci-fi, you know, kind of hits on a number of of notes. So why don't you kind of explain that aspect a little bit and then follow up with, you know, what kind of compelled you to write it, obviously, because writing a book takes 
takes a, you know, a major undertaking. Yeah, sure. So for Constella's boss, um, it's, I wanted it to be read in kind of three different ways. I want people to get the like political, social angles of, you know, individuality and maybe critiquing the politics of power but I also wanted them to get a fun ride out of it like I didn't want it to just be oh so boring something heavy handed or ham-fisted that was like difficult to read so the prose is actually written a lot more gently and I guess sparsely than I would otherwise make it Um, and I also wanted people to be able to read it to think about tropes Um, media making and what that kind of says about what characters we leave out of various narratives the difficult characters the inconvenient characters the ones that aren't perfect I would much rather read about messy people trying to you know save the universe (laughs) with like laser weapons than I would read about people who are just the ideas of people so that was a big concern for me was I want to make something that can be read multiple ways. I want people to enjoy it. But I also want people to feel heard, represented, and that like I can write characters for others to feel like they're allowed to be messy and allowed to like be imperfect, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like a a lived-in shirt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been writing these characters on and off in kind of like D&D styled role playing games for like at least 10 years now. So I already kind of know them. And it was my responsibility to, I guess, introduce them to people who would not otherwise be aware of who they were. They're very human. They're very fallible. Um, they're fun but yeah they're like kind of chaos engines you know just messy people and I like that I like reading stories of people who don't figure stuff out or who do but it takes such a long time to get there or you know I'm I don't want to read perfect people that's not real life and then the inspiration behind it was you know stuff that I go through in my own daily life a lot of it actually draws from my own story but it's funny because I like had to put it in space and I had to make robots and I had to like have laser guns and I had to use comedy from films like The Fifth Element and like story beats from Buffy to kind of tell that part of my story that part of my life and it also relates to the lives of my friends, people that I care a lot about. And I'm hopeful that when they read it, because, you know, they got the paperback versions. So when they read it, they'll be able to see that I paid attention, that I cared about them, that I heard them in a completely respectful way of, hey, this is our messy, like, cuckoo bananas lives. I am hopeful of a good outcome for us humans, um, all of it. So I wrote a thing. I kind of wasn't planning on releasing it and then COVID hit and I was like, mortality is real. Oh, I should probably put this out there because I had been working on it concertedly for like three years at least. So 
yeah, mortality is a great motivator when the world is kind of, you know, a little bit dire that can kind of wake you up a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like you've put a, a lot of time into it, but a lot of thought, but deeper than that, a lot of emotion and consideration for friends, you know, kind of also looking back at the world or having the world looking back at you. And yeah, I mean, that's what we try to do as writers is try to make sense of these things and uh, maybe alter the, the narrative thread a little bit and hopefully give a little light where there's some darkness and, and maybe a little hope where there's a, you know, uh, a sense of isolation. So, so kudos, it sounds like, you know, a, a really special piece. Yeah, thank you. I, I think so too. Um, I had a past life as a fine artist or educator, current life as a freelancer. I have lived a lot, long life, lots of challenges. And I truly believe that art and entertainment, depending on how you package it, you got to be like a bit savvy about it. You can kind of trick people into learning or give them space that they didn't know they needed. So I'm kind of trying to take all the disciplines that I know how to do, you know, visual art, writing, um, meaning making, like semiotics and language for teaching, just teaching in general, and, you know, being very conscious of social issues and the empathy felt for other people and jabbing them all into one three-part sci-fi story, hopefully in order to kind of guide people or maybe show them answers they maybe were not aware of before. Yeah, it's always a, a, a slippery slope. I, I Trying to bring light to something, but also not trying to be heavy handed about it either. Um, you know, and letting people come to their own conclusions, but at the same time, again, trying to, to shed light on maybe a sensitive subject. Um, yeah, definitely. The, the challenge with that is like other people have different interpretations of heavy handed. Like, for instance, this isn't like, I guess, social political, but, you know, Deadpool, right? Mm -hmm. Like he just breaks all the walls and like addresses the audience. And some people can interpret that narrative structure act as being heavy handed. Well, I find it to be extremely funny. So when it comes to writing, I really think inherently, and you can disagree, anybody can, there aren't really any rules. If you can pull it off, if you can make it convincing, if you can make something enjoyable, you can kind of do anything, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There was an old Somerset mom who wrote a great book, a great book 100 years ago called uh, Of Human Bondage. And it's basically just that we're all kind of connected to each other. And uh, he also wrote The Razor's Edge, but a pretty famous guy. And he said, there are three rules of writing and I don't know what they are. <laughs> that's a perfect, that's a perfect quote. It's, yeah, I would have to agree with that. Um, I think it's good to be mindful of not coming off heavy handed, but earnestly, if you write it well and you give things for readers to either enjoy, pick apart, um, learn experience, you're going to have people liking it. Regardless, somebody's probably always going to be like, oh, 
you know, came on a little heavy there, a little preachy. And you can be like, yeah, but was it fun? <laughs> right. <laughs> you have a good time. <laughs> right, right, right. Were you engaged at the pages turn? Yeah. Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, I will take that over a pitch perfect anything, any any day of the week. Yeah, that's the the opposite of, of all this, right? Is those sort of blockbustery, empty, superficial joy rides. And, you know, we all want to escape, obviously, from time to time, especially from all the noise and sorrow and, you know, tribulations of the world. But um, you also feel kind of empty uh, after a while, if that's all you're experiencing. Yeah, definitely. But I also love those types of pieces of media. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, like, I think you can do both. Like, I think you can have a piece of media be both things. I, um, let me frame this a little bit for a second. So Constella's Foss is about robots in space. Like, basically, some dude, like, a la kind of the absurdism of Brazil, got his personality from the 90s, like, thrown into a robot way super in the future in, like, a dystopian society. And that's already a funny idea. But I basically made him the American action hero, but I also made him like gay as heck. So that's really funny to me. I think you can make social commentary like he's just Rambo. Like he just runs in there and like shoots people and is like doing goddamn kickflips. I find it hilarious. I think there are ways you can make social commentary by like tweaking the formula. It's 100 percent in some cases. What I mean to say is Constance Voss is sometimes very much like sci-fi action story. Um, but I love those. I just don't think they have to be hollow. And that's also what we see a lot in media nowadays. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I know that no, there's a way to make this a little bit more intelligent without like totally losing the fun. Like, I think that's real. Maybe I'm wrong but I think it's real. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. I had written a sci-fi piece called Narakon, um, and it's about the evolution of souls and, and the dark and light within us and sort of forces trying to sort of compete for that or control, um, in a sense, that within us. And there's uh, the dark forces that are trying to stop the evolution of souls. But um, I had written that in part because, you know, I started thinking, well, what if, superhero movies or, or that kind of um, genre had a little more depth to it. Uh, a little p- more playfulness, but at the same time, a little more depth to the character. Um, but I realized like, you know, why everyone loves the Marvel movies and that type of genre. It's not just so much that Thor, for instance, handsome, you know, invincible, etc. <laughs> but if he, if he was only that, it wouldn't be very interesting. Nothing touches him, you know, nobody can hurt him, but he can be hurt. He has love and, and that's taken away. His, his parents died, his planet, you know. So it's very human what happens to them. If it was only that they were just, you know, superheroes and not, nothing could touch him, that would, it wouldn't be a very interesting experience for the viewer, but you make them human and give them human attributes. And now we can all relate to that. Definitely, definitely. Even if they're like a raccoon. Like, <laughs> like human motivations to right. alien creatures. Yeah, I mean, um, 100%. It's also, superhero stuff is like modern mythology. 
like contemporary like I know Thor is like from a long time ago but comic book wise a lot of superheroes nowadays are like our myths you know sure so so tell me um I I see the uh, the beginning of your story has a pretty strong content warning yes yes and I was just curious you know obviously you're trying to kind of uh explain the waters that that the reader is about to enter but but explain that a little bit sure so um i don't know i'm like 33 and we didn't really have any content warnings on like most stuff <laughs> right. grow no no we didn't like my first playstation video game was a rated m title called parasite eve and i was like way too young to be playing that at like 12 or 13 and I kind of just got thrown into the water. So that's not to say that we shouldn't have content warnings, but my idea of what I made, like 100% comes from like 90s anime, like video game, Buffy Fifth Element territory. Like uh, it's very much, is this what the story needs? Is this how I can deliver the message? I'm probably going to do it, even if it's upsetting for some people, but I'm going to do it as earnestly as, as possible. Um, it's not even that dark of a series, but there are sensitive topics. And I do realize that you do have to be concerned with potentially upsetting people, but also you don't want to be misunderstood. So it's kind of like coming to the table and being like, hey, I'm going to say something that might be hard to hear or we're going to have a difficult conversation but know that I'm having it with a hundred percent good faith and I'm doing this for some a really important reason I think so I think it's kind of prefacing it by being like this is in good faith and also there may be difficult subject matters and you should probably choose if you want to continue or just keep that in mind I think that's a respectful way to frame it yeah i i agree um that you know you you've been warned uh we're gonna kind of bear our souls a little bit here and maybe have a meeting of the mind and maybe we can all move forward a bit um so i i like that i appreciate that you have had that in there oh um, yeah i mean because i talk about tropes and like the politics of power and even some characters that aren't like kind of quote unquote in my lane um i have to be completely aware that if i'm writing something this big that isn't just kind of uh you know action robot stuff like it is but there's so many more layers to it that i am bound to either you know i'm, I'm bound to make a mistake as a writer i'm only human i'm bound to create scenarios or situations that may not be as sensitive as they could be because I'm speaking to parts of my life or parts of my friends' lives. And those are not the same experiences that every person has had. So yeah, I think it's really, really important to be like, I'm coming to this respectfully. I'm respectfully providing something. Um, because even if I'm older and I'm a bit more liable to jump head first and to say a piece of media like Akira and I don't need really any warnings some people do and I don't know I, I think it's just really important to frame conversations before they happen because 
Constellus Voss is art, and therefore it is a conversation of a series. Well, I really like what, you know, we hadn't obviously spoken, I didn't really know you. So th this is very nice having this conversation and really that's what, what art is, right? It's saying, here I am, here's how I interpret whatever, who are you? And this is how we move each other forward. We move the world forward and we shed light often on sensitive subjects or subjects that people are, might, have, might be interested in pushing under the rug because nobody likes talking about difficult subjects, but this is how we all move forward. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I went to art school and I taught art education and I had an amazing professor called Steve Locke and he's like two quotes. I don't know if he borrowed them, but they're great. Um, art is a two-way street. It's a conversation, something along those lines. And also art reveals mystic truths. He was a great professor. Uh, one more would be the form and function must be married when you're creating like a piece of art. So I carried that into writing. That's good stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, he's he's wonderful. My education at Mass Art in Boston was fantastic. He was a great, great professor. And yeah, I mean, if you're just having a difficult conversation with a person, sometimes it feels just very pers personal. So if you take hard concepts, like challenging concepts, um, big concepts, and you package them in something that's a little bit away, a little bit fantastical, um, you still beg empathy from readers or you know, the participants of the art, but it's not so close that they have to feel like it's like specifically about them. They can relate, but you don't make it so personal that it like can be painful. And that's a really great way to teach. And that's a really great way for people to maybe find understanding in themselves. Just like kind of how writing can be therapy. I think that reading, engaging with media can help people figure themselves out. It would be an empty world uh, without it. That, that is for sure. Definitely. Well, Kira, this has been so nice speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been nice speaking with you, too. Where, if people want to find you, and I'm sure they will, where, <laughs> what is the website address? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm literally all over the internet because I'm insufferable. But the, <laughs> the no, I, no, it's true. Like, if you Google K-I-R-A space L-E-I-G-H, I'm literally everywhere. But the website is constellusvoss.ml, which is, do you want me to spell it out? If you feel like it, that's fine. Yeah, yeah that's fine. C-O-N-S-T-E-L-I-S-V-O-S-S dot M-L. So the first volume, Color Theory, is actually out on Amazon right now, if people like click around. But the website's pretty cool, and you guys can listen to sweet music and like browse character profiles. So Yeah, it is yeah. a multimedia experience, so... Um... No, it's really beautiful, the website. And she got, everyone should totally check out the website, uh, especially writers who, who might be interested in trying to figure out a way to, um, to get their own material out there. But, uh, oh, yeah. I have a lot of tricks for that. Um, and I don't know if this is maybe 
a little weird, but my DMs on Twitter are literally always open if any writers out there need help with website stuff. Like, it's super fun for me. If you're just, you know, stuck, feel free to message me whenever. We help each other, right? Yeah, 100%. Well, Kira, it's been so nice speaking with you and, you know, hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. You be well now. Thank you for listening to the Douglas Robbins Show. To find out more about Douglas and his books, check out douglasrobbinsauthor.com.